0: All right. What's up, everybody? What's up? Thank you, Vera, for dragging that out for me. <laughs> if, you, if you don't catch on, Vera is, uh, Vera who runs our ship here, uh, sometimes does me the favor of when I'm not totally prepared, playing a little bit more songs so I can scramble and get things together. So I uh, was just putting it all together. And so that's why you got to hear the fullness of Bruce Springsteen's great Adam a Cain," which I think is first on Darkness on the Edge of Town, I think. Yeah, anyway, uh, great album. Okay, so great album and great book, Leviticus. Leviticus, we're starting uh, a great book, Leviticus. One of, I mean, it's one of the top five books, right? Like (laughs) it's one of the top five books of all time. It's one of the books of the Torah. So it's one of our five most important books. Um, But it's, it's it's a tough one, huh? Leviticus is a tough one of all the books Leviticus is particularly difficult reading because it mostly um, details the sacrifices that one brings for all sorts of reasons, but especially to atone for sin. And then the purity that one needs to maintain to be in the realm of the, of the, of the, of the altar. It's uh, the priestly laws, in other words. And that's what they, they, they call uh, Leviticus, koanim, the, the Torah of the priests. So um, it's like, I mean, it's just blood and guts and gore and details and weird stuff. Like, and it's, it's very detailed and very s- strange all at once. Very st- strange, like, like est- we are estranged from it. That doesn't seem, um, it's hard to relate to. So it's a difficult book, but I, I, um, I, I, I and I said this actually on this week's, this week's podcast. Oh, let me just say, we now have um a, a patreon uh a, a patreon to support this this podcast that we're doing because obviously we want to keep it free but you know vera uh um helps with the podcast ben cooley helps with the podcast i make the pot like it, it takes some money to run the podcast um and so if you're able to support the podcast great it's just like little amounts whatever you're comfortable with and there's you know like with most patreons there's there's swag you can get uh, the podcast is called best book ever and you can get like best book ever t-shirts you know, so that's how cool. <laughs> wow, that's how cool you can be. Um, anyway, so in the podcast this week, um, and I think actually Vera is going to give you a link to there's the Patreon. And Vera, could you also share the podcast um, from this week? So in the podcast this week, I said that be, precisely because Leviticus is such a difficult book to read, the tradition of commentary on Leviticus is particularly dynamic because this is one of the five books of the torah it's difficult reading the rabbis are not going to let it lie they're not going to just get mired in the details they're going to turn this into one of the five books of the torah one of the great books of all time and so the they go the 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 it is just the the denseness the density and the and the and the difficulty of leviticus that produces its its dynamism and if so if you go for example into um, the books of midrash there's a famous midrash rabbah. so there's midrash rabba on each of the books of the Torah, but the one on 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 Leviticus is particularly good along with Genesis It no, can't be Genesis, but Genesis and Leviticus are particularly good. And it's because the rabbis just said let's let's find let's rip this book open. And that's true on into the modern age and some of the great studies of Levit- Leviticus have been in the modern age. Mary Douglas's uh, Purity and Danger, right? Uh, Jacob Milgram's whole life work was just like unearthing what the depth of Leviticus, what's in there, what's the symbolism of Leviticus? Okay, so I said that on the podcast. And then I also said that um, one of the great uh, resources that we have on Leviticus, when we think about approaching it with that kind of dynamic, creative interpretation, open minded interpretation, is the Kliakar. And you may have heard me say before that the Kliakar, if I have to pick, and you don't, you know, you don't pick, you don't pick amongst your children and you don't pick amongst your ancestors, but like if I had to pick the Kliakar as my favorite commentator, Um, uh, he's a uh, 15th, uh, 16th and 17th, but mostly 16th century um, rabbi, was the chief rabbi of Prague. And he's just just the commentary is called Kliakar, which means a precious vessel. And a precious vessel, indeed. It is such a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful commentary on the Torah, I recommend it highly and strongly. There are some translations of some parts of it and you can check that out on Safaria. Not all of it is is translated, but the Kliakar is just one of these thinkers. Now, I just wanna locate him a little bit in, in, in time because I'm saying all of this because the podcast I, I, is 15 minutes of, you know, of Parsha Torah. So just on the go, and you just have 15 minutes, and we try to polish it off for you. And it's just me talking the whole time. That's And the class is, is an hour of discussion and exploration. Um, and I, hopefully, we're, we're having a conversation. We're all interpreting the text. Um, And usually I try to keep the topics separate. This, like, you know, one's not just a mini version of the other. There's two experiences. And so if you happen to want more partially, there's an hour and 15 minutes for you. Um, But, and by the way, we also, you know, um, we also edit the class and put it on the, uh, up on the podcast as well. But, um, but all of that is to say that this week, (laughs) uh, I could just couldn't get out of the clear car. So, this week, just so you know, the podcast and what we're doing here is not the same text that I would never do, but the same thinker. We're in a week, I'm in a week of Kliakar and so I'm forcing you to be in a week of Kliakar as well. So um, so we're gonna look at a piece today from the Kliakar, Rabbi Shlomo Ephraim Lunschitz of Prague um, and uh, and get a feel for his style and um, and and in doing so, I think we're going to have a pretty dynamic, exciting entry into the book of the the scary, scary, scary book of Leviticus. Okay. So, uh, so there we go. Let's, uh, let's say a blessing together and, um, and we'll just sanctify this space of learning. And you know what else I'm going to do? Just give me one second. I'm going to get a cup because I have water, but I don't have a cup or a, or a mason jar, if you will, because I'm a hipster. Okay. So here we go. So let's just we're gonna we're gonna go right in. Let's just take i am I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of take us into the text. Um, and we're not gonna get past the second verse in Leviticus. Okay. And and you know, we're gonna see how the book of Leviticus opens, and then we're gonna, then we're like just in the second verse, and and I it's like I started reading the Kliakar looking for something. And I, I read the first piece, and then I read the second piece, and all I, I couldn't get past the second piece. It's just like, just, just stunned. I just, I mean, it was just, it was just stunning. I was on a plane actually, and I was just like, oh my goodness. Okay, so, um, so let's see here. Now, do I? Um, I just saw some the chat pop up. No, we're not going to talk about the little olive, but that's cool. That's not even getting past the first word. That's a, that's another, that's another classic. It's a good example of of a way that we. Uh, uh, I don't follow the chat, but when it pops up, and I just see the hot, the headline of the of the chat. So anyway, the little aleph is a good example of uh, of you know making a lot of Leviticus. Like, what does that first word mean? What is the first letter in the first word? You know, all that. Yeah, there's there's a little aleph here. So you could spend we could spend our whole hour just talking about that. And I think we have in this in this class. Okay. So what we're gonna look at though is the second verse today. And it's a pretty typical, pretty tone setting verse for Leviticus. Um, and it gets us right into the, the big topic that's gonna occupy the first oh, 10 chapters of Leviticus. And that's the the detailing of the offerings and how you make the offerings, okay? So here we go. Uh, uh, God, Hashem, called to Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting saying, Daber b'nei Yisrael, and this is the verse that we're going to be looking at. So let's see, like, what do we, what questions do we have in this verse? Okay. Daberu Yisrael, adam ki mikem korban min habehema, min habakar, u'min takrivu et korbanchem. Okay. Speak to the Israelite people and say to them. When any person from among you brings forth an offering to God, you all shall bring forth offering of cattle from the herd or from the flock. Okay, so there we go. And that's what it's like to read Leviticus and, you know, um, okay. (laughs) Okay. So how do, we, how, do we, how do we make things exciting? Well, First of all, like, let's just look at this verse one more time. What, what questions do we have? Speak to the Israelite people and say to them, when any person from among you brings forth an offering to, to, to God, to Hashem, you all shall bring forth offering of cattle from the herd or from the flock. So um, why don't we do this in the chat, since it's a bit of an identification question. Uh, what questions do we have on that verse? And I'll read them out loud. Uh, what questions do you have? Hmm let's see cuz we're going to soon see what rashi's question is and what the Kliakar's question is so let's see if if one sins do we all i think that's i think richard ding 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 i think richard actually gets rashi's question although i'm not sure exactly how you mean it richard but it starts off with one person when any one person and then says you all is that right richard is that what you're thinking that's right that's right that's good okay uh, let's uh, let's see here Um, when any person from among you, you all shall bring. So it starts singular and then moves to the plural. Okay, like, do we have to be precise about that? Yes, we do say the rabbis and Richard Richard's with them. Okay, any other any other questions that you have in that verse? It's like not fair. Now that I said that Richard got the one that we're going to be looking at. But, um, but let's look here. Um, uh, Why just cattle? Great. We're gonna be thinking about that. Why? Why just why are they just talking about animals, about cattle, about livestock? What is the herd versus the flock? That is bakar utson. I can answer that now. Bakar utson is mostly like cows and sheep or bulls and sheep. Right? Is there a, yeah, is there a word that means cows and bulls? It's cattle, right? But cattle can also mean sheep, right? Or no, only. Oh, okay. So then I mistranslated. It's like from the what it really is, let's go retranslate that. Thanks for the what it really is is uh. Is you shall all bring forth an offering of animal. Oops, I have a Hebrew setting here. Because I'm cool and I type in Hebrew. Um, um, bring forth an, an offering of animal from the herd or from the flock. Okay. Um, so there, that's right. Good. Thanks for that question. Um, let's see. Uh, what's the relationship between one and everyone? Good. Marlene's on on, on, on that track too um why would someone bring an offering to Hashem great question Wayne right what what do we Leviticus doesn't stop and say hey you know we've got a problem we're human beings we're trying to get close to God we sin sometimes like all this stuff that we end up saying about Leviticus Leviticus doesn't say that Leviticus is just like anyway so when you bring an offering you better bring the right one right okay good um so let's see here uh uh, I'm not gonna probably not gonna be able to read all. Oh yeah, I will. I'm gonna stop reading after these three. So what if you don't have anything to give? Good, we're gonna address that too, Payam. Um, well, yeah, it's so great, so just bring a cow. Everybody's got a cow. It's like, what? That's, a, that's an object of great value in the ancient world. Um, is there no pr- privacy also though? That's an interesting question, right? Like, is, is this happening in public? It, it, the presumption is that part of the process you're doing this in public and like that has implications it's not like just something you take care of on your own we we do a lot of tshuva now of repentance internally this is a public okay and then finally i'm just going to read uh one more what uh what does one mean unique to the individual and not representing all great and we're going to address that question as well right that's a second level question there after richards and 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 marlene's which is so is is one do, could one do it on behalf of everyone okay and Richard asks basically Rashi's question and uh, Luana uh, gives basically Rashi's answer or 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 intuits it and that's where we're going to start okay so we're going to start. With the question that Richard posed that Rashi poses, which is why does, why does the verse start in the singular and end in the plural so let's take a look here and we'll set ourselves up for um, for where the clea. Kli- here's the cleakar. car. When any person who brings forth from you an offering to the eternal, also God, and, you know, another way to, to translate Adonai or God, the verse begins in singular but finishes in plural. There's Richard, there's Rashi, there's Marlene. Uh, you shall bring forth your offering. Okay. Okay. Rashi's interpretation, and this is true, you go up and you go look at Rashi, is that two people, this is to, here to teach you that two people may donate an offering in partnership. Okay. That's nice. Exactly what Luana thought. Wondered about exactly. Two people may donate an offering and par- donate an offering in partnership. And so when any one, any person from among you has this thing, or actually you all can do it together. You could do it together. You could come together. Uh, uh, Julia and I could say, listen, you know, we're we we want to offer thanks. We're we're feeling sinful. We're we we come and we make an offering together. Okay. Okay. So that sounds nice. And it's a good answer, I guess, if you take seriously the idea that you have to resolve the discrepancy between singular and plural. Now I could turn out to you now and say, um, oh, what do you think, would you make some, but it's such a specific question. I don't want to tease it out too, too much. We're really only using it as a launching pad because the Clia car does not like the answer it seems. Clea Kliakar says, this does not satisfactorily resolve this verse and connect it from beginning and from the beginning to end. I, this, is a, this is a very, very hard line um, for me to translate. And I'm going to mention another translation um, problem soon. But he says, um, he says here, a um, noma speak, it's not enough what Rashi says, not enough to settle literally to to make clear and settled this verse and this probably should be translated as to its partner verse, but I wasn't sure is it, or it could be translated to connect it all. I, I Now that I'm looking at it again, I think I think he's speaking about a part to its partner and then that's even harder to understand, but given where he goes, uh i think that's what it means this does not satisfactorily resolve this verse and connect it to its partner from beginning to end for we don't know exactly how it applies we don't know where this goes we don't know where we don't know okay so you have two people but so i don't totally understand what rashi is saying and i want to pause here like does someone am i i know it's like it's my translation of the hebrew but like unless someone has a better sense of what he means here he seems to be saying the rashi is not giving us enough and it doesn't explain every part of the okay it resolves this but there's it doesn't connect this verse now i think he's saying to some other verse because that's exactly what he's about to do there's a partner verse somewhere right it's a very strange phrasing but suffice to say he's not there's something about, he quotes Rashi's answer and then says, yeah, this doesn't do it for me. And then take a look at where he goes, because this is what we're gonna spend the rest of our class talking about. Okay, And he says, and it seems to me, it seems to me, my interpretation is that the text wanted to warn all those bringing an offering to God not to stumble in the two ways that Cain and Abel stumbled. For they were the first people to make an offering Cain and Abel all of a sudden, we're like we have two verses into Leviticus, and all of a sudden we're back to the beginning, back to the beginning and, and to one of those one of those stories that. I, I I just I at least never get tired of returning to Cain and Abel so I was just excited and I know you know who else doesn't Kathy Kobayashi (laughs) Kathy Kobayashi was, uh, but actually usually Kathy takes us back to usually the Garden of Eden um the first story and this is really the second story but I think in I think in many ways it's just as important you know no disrespect to Kathy but uh but yeah Garden of Eden of course is like there's so much in there and and, and sex and love and shame and, and identity and masculinity and femininity and partnership and ah, like, ah, you know, there's a lot in there, sure. Knowledge, did I mention knowledge? Um, but Cain and Abel, the second story is a story of violence. It's a story of violence and brotherhood. <laughs> and those are two themes that are gonna consume certainly the rest of the book of Genesis, but uh, but 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 in some ways they're going to consume us for the rest of our history, right? Us and the world and now in this moment, right? Violence. So um, so we're heading into Cain and Abel, and I guess I want to stop here and ask: Let's go look at well, let's go look at Cain and Abel. What is he talking about? What, how could he possibly claim that all of this, that this verse here, is a callback to Cain and Abel? And he gives one justification. What's his justification? And it's a pretty good one, actually, now that you stop and think about it. Oh, Leviticus is about sacrifices. When was the first sacrifice? Cain and Abel. That's a big part of the Cain and Abel story is they brought offerings. So in some ways, the Cleokhara is just saying, well, we're going to have a whole book talking about offerings. Let's go back and look at the initial offerings, figure out where we're starting here. But that's not exactly what he says, does he? He says, this is all a warning to tell you not to stumble or not to fail or not, not to stumble in the ways that Cain, in the two ways that Cain and Abel stumbled. Now, and, and that's the last thing I'll say before we go look at. What, what is he talking about? The two ways that Cain and Abel stumbled. I mean, Cain stumbled in that he freaking killed Abel, right? <laughs> but there are two ways now that Cain and Abel stumbled. Okay. So let's go look, let's go look. And we're gonna let's just go look at Cain and Abel um, and review that story briefly, and it's a brief story. And then I want to hear what you think. like what what is here for us to think about with regards to the sacrifices? And then we'll get into the liaakkars question. So let's go take a look at Cain and Abel all the way back, 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 back to Genesis four. Now the person, Ha Adam, Ha Adam, Yada et Chava Ishto, now the person knew his wife Eve and she conceived and bore Cain saying, I have gained a person, uh, actually this, this is a bad, I translated Adam as person because I like that translation and then is man. I have gained a man with the help of, of Adonai which I think is, is probably her husband or maybe it's the, it's the child, not clear. Um, then she then bore his brother Abel Okay. Um, And Abel became a shepherd and Cain became a tiller of the soil. First thing we learn about them. Abel became a shepherd, Cain became a tiller of the soil. Farmer, herder. Farmer, herder. Okay. In the course of time, In the course of time, Cain brought an, an offering. There it is. That's the first offering ever in the history like in the torah but as far as the torah is concerned the history of the universe right or this part of the universe anyway so mincha that's one of the offerings and it's an offering to god and he brings an offering to god and what is the mincha offering we sometimes translate it in in leviticus what's the mincha offering it's the um we we used to offer it in the after the mincha offering is the grain offering grain offering Okay, so that's what that's what that's comes from the Cain story because that's what Cain brought. It really just means a gift, but he brought a, a grain offering to yeah. Okay. Um, and Abel he also brought from the choicest of his flock. Hashem paid heed, listened, turned, God turned to Abel and his offering, but to Cain and his offering, God paid no heed. And Cain was much distressed. And that's, I don't like that that translation. We usually translate this as angered. But maybe they translated it that way because he was also sad. He was angry and sad. And Adonai said, okay, and Adonai said to Cain, why are you distressed? And why is your face falling? God doesn't like his reaction, even though God caused it. Thanks a lot. Surely if you do right, there is uplift. But if you do not do right, sin crouches at the door. It's urges towards you. But you can be its master, and it goes on from there. And you know, Cain kills Abel. <laughs> okay, that's Cain kills Abel. God gets mad, uh, curses Cain to walk and wander for the rest of his life. And Cain worries that he's going to be killed for it, so they put a mark on his. Um, we usually think on his forehead, but a mark on him so that everybody knew that he was protected by God. Okay, there were sacrifices there, but um what uh what does this got to do with Leviticus and what are the I mean we've already posed the question might as well wonder also what are the two sins here what are the two sins so what has got any uh, what do you see here that's relevant and, and and what sins are you seeing taking place here um other than what I said the glaring one Cain killed Abel <laughs> okay is so that that's obvious but are there other is there anything else all right let's start with Leah Matsui, all the way from Japan
1: um I found this the most absolutely the most distressing story in the Bible. As a child, Um, isn't what we're supposed to consider uh, Abel's sin? Is that his face fell? Is that he expressed dismay and upsetment that his offering was ignored, was not accepted? Uh, You know. Imagine his confusion. I always saw this as a beautiful basket of fruit and vegetables. Why don't you like it? I don't understand. It's actually harder to make fruits and vegetables, I think, than to raise a perfect perfect cow, a perfect bull. I could be wrong about this, but there's something where Abel misread, where couldn't possibly have known Hashem's intention. And Mm. now with Leviticus, we get a guidebook. So this should never happen again. Um,
0: Okay, good. Okay, good. So there's a Leah's naming some direct connections, and then some underlying, um, some underlying issues. And the under, let's start with the underlying issue, because that's where Leah started. The underlying issue is that we're trying to figure out, we're going to bring an offering to God, you know, is there is it gonna be accepted? Is there a way to do this right or wrong? Do we have, we're trying to connect here. The word Korban actually literally means connecting agent. So how do we do that? Okay, so that, that, is it a concern? Could God possibly reject our offering? we we'll actually do have stories of that. So what, what would that mean? Even though they seem tragic and unfair, we have those stories. And the stories trade immediately in the difference between plants and animals. We already talked about animals, so maybe the verse is saying, "Hey, God likes animals. God's not vegetarian. Sorry, not vegetarian. God wants animals. So that's just remember that. Remember that. Okay. So that's that's a good. That's those are both on the deep level and on the and on the surface. Those are great connections. Allison Goldman. And if we can see your picture, we'd love to. And if not, that's fine. Hey.
2: hey um, and- so. A bunch of people in the chat have said that Cain hadn't brought the choicest of his grain. um, And I agree with that. Um, But I think what's interesting about what we just read is that there were two sins. and Maybe the other one in the context of the Torah that we were reading is that Abel, like why didn't Abel tell him to have better grain? Like when they've been talking to each other they say like, hey, let's get a sacrifice. So how come? And they're twins, right? And they're like the only two people who exist, or like them and their parents. Presumably, they talked about it.
0: Good, 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 good. Okay, okay. Al- Allison's really, really onto something here. So uh, first of all, and I think a lot of people in the chat uh, named this that there's a classic. There's a classic reading of the text that suggests exactly the first thing that Allison mentioned. Um and, and that others have apparently, which is that it it doesn't seem it. if Abel brought the choicest me parot, so no. let's go look at that. If Abel brought the choicest of his flock, well then that indicates we read the torah carefully, right? So if Abel brought the choicest of his flock, then that indicates that maybe um Cain didn't. And in fact, it says mevein me Prihadama, which means, um, that Cain brought an offering from the fruit of the soil, whereas Abel brought from the, the best of the flock. And all of that means, according to that very precise reading, that Cain just brought some of, just something from there, whatever, not so special. Whereas Abel made made clear to bring his best to God. And that's right. And that is the first sin. And it's been named by commentators been named by others view. And the, it's where the clea car is going to go next. But Alison begins to wonder and the clear car is going to wonder also what was Abel up to. What Was Abel? what was. Is it like King just got mad and killed him. You know what, 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 what was Abel doing? What was their relationship? Like, is it, is it possible that Abel has some culpability in the process here? I mean, it's hard to know, but, but Alison imagined. Couldn't if 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 Cain wasn't clear on the concept and able was, i able to say, hey, 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 you know, can I make a suggestion so that you don't get rejected by God? Hmm. Okay. All right, let's uh, let's take another another couple of passes of this. And then I do want to dive into the Cleokar. So I'll tell to take Yael and Payam.
1: Well, I want to bring something up that might be a question that isn't normally addressed. And that's When we think that God is not accepting our offering, maybe God is accepting our offering, but there are different ways. We don't need to see a big flame in order to say, aha, God hears us. And maybe we can apply that to our everyday life and say, it doesn't look like I'm being blessed at the moment, but God's here and God knows me and God hears me anyway. I don't need that. Yeah, to know that I'm, I'm giving what I can to God. And in that giving, I am in connection with God.
0: Do you you hear that magnificent, magnificent interpretation by Yael? I mean, that is stunning, really stunning. Because Yael is now that the Cleokhara has made the connection to Cain and Abel, Yael's wondering, okay, so what are the lessons? And perhaps remember that what God said to Cain, which is why are you upset? Don't be upset. Don't be upset. Why are you so, why are you so upset? Why are you angry and sad? Just the whole thing is just to do right. Just do right, and then you'll. That's that's where your connection comes from. Your uplift. I'm not. I, I, don't, I don't. I'm still talking to you. How many people does God talk to in the Torah? Well, Cain's one of them. Like, I'm still talking to him. It's fine. And so yeah, i will ask us to to read that back into the book of Leviticus, which is suddenly going to have all of these precise rules and instructions on how we connect to God. But in the end, God told us from the start, okay, you did it right, you did it wrong, but that's not the point. Be a good person, be a good person. That's, that's a beautiful interpretation. And that's, that's, that's the kind of thinking that the Kliakar is inviting us into. Okay, all right, one more thought, and then we're going to see where the Kliakar goes from Payam.
1: I mean, I'm not a farmer. What the heck does it even mean the choices from wheat? Wheat looks
2: like wheat. <laughs> it's
0: not. I mean, there's I mean, better and that. worse grain for sure. All kinds of produce. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, but it is like, it is, you know, for the vegetarians out there, right? Like, it's like a little disappointing this story, right? Like, oh, God, just really prefers meat. Why is that? Like, ah. Do you think isn't God into saving life? I mean, it's just but okay, we're gonna we're gonna think about that a little bit as we go on. So let's now head into the cleocarp. We've named one of the sins. He's about to name the other, and I wonder if any of you um, will have you know started thinking in this du, in this direction. I think Allison was was starting to, um, but let's. But he says something quite specific. He says this. So. Uh, 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 na, 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 na. The, the not to stumble in the two ways that Cain and Abel sinned This is the surprising part. What is Abel's sin? So there's a clue there, right? That maybe Allison's picking up on. Like, oh, Abel might have had a part. Okay, so for Cain stumbled in that he brought from the lesser and worse crops. I mean a pachot um, the flax seed. Oh, this is an answer to Paim's question. He didn't bring wheat, he brought flax, right? He brought the 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 pishtan, not the, not the, not the, not the, the good stuff. But those who commit a mortal sin. Now here's where the Kliakar is going to, going to be a carnivore. You know, again, you know, take up the defend the the non-vegetarian position. Um, But those who commit a mortal sin, if you commit something where your life is on the line, because you you should you should be punished for what you did. Bodily or or with your life must bring the life, and the word that we're using for life here is nefesh. Must bring the life of an animal in exchange for their own life. Now again, you might not like it. I know we've shifted our thinking around what a relationship to animals m- must be, but the logic for for this week's class, the law, lo- we'll just we're not going to go too deep into it. The logic here that he's using is just that you are alive and maybe you shouldn't be given what you've did you did so you take this replacement and you as if you're offering your life but you're offering this animal's life that's the scapegoat on yom kippur that's the that's one theory of the whole sacrificial system i offer this to you as i should offer myself to you but you have given me the mercy not to offer myself to you you know i mean like christians pick up on this and and you and put a person in that place right but it's like same idea someone else's sacrifice and you know, and of course it must be said that it's, it is your sacrifice because it's your living to give up your cow, it's your, it's not, it's a big deal to give up a cow in the ancient world. So on that level, but he's saying life for life and that is why he says you can't use plants. You can't use plants because plants, well, plants are alive but um, he has to remember however, that the Torah lets us use plants. So the Torah said only in great case of great need did the holy blessed one allow a poor person and that's true. There's a sacrifice. The poor person brings a grain offering, which does not have a nefesh. It has life, but it doesn't have a nefesh. And to consider it as if that per, that uh, no, that person not, yeah, sorry, as if that person was offering an animal. So, yeah, it's true. There are grain offerings in the Torah. I know my. I just said something that you could do, like try to disprove, but the, that's not my point. My point is that the ideal is to bring an animal so that's let's just start there all right okay um so he's playing around with that and, and in doing so he's indicating to us that the verse is saying and that's why animal okay but then he says this and abel what was abel said abel even though he brought an offering from the choicest of his sheep nevertheless he did not do right either I've never heard this before. Who, who's heard of this before? That Abel Abel sinned. He did not do right either. For, ooh, that's incorrect. For he, not we. For he was not inspired to give the offering on his own. And he did not perform the mitzvah from his own enthusiasm. Shaloni to Orer el hakorban atzmo. He didn't awaken to the offering of, of his own idea he didn't get excited to do this, perform this commandment by himself. Only after he saw Cain offer an offering, did he become jealous of him and able uh, to him. What does it say? I I just translated it. Only after he saw Cain offer and became jealous of him, um and and then all right so it's, it's kind of awkward in the hebrew <laughs> in, as well and then abel uh uh brought an offering as well sorry this is what's so great about this Sorry, thing is that i can tran- like, translate i in real time you all see this when i retype this right everybody sees this yeah brought an offering uh as well to match him lash lash vote i love to match him. Okay. So those are the sins. Those are the sins. And I want us to think about them for a moment. I want to know what you think of them. What he is saying in brief if we just had to stop the class now we would say that the clear interpretation is that the reason that it that um, that this verse is uh, here is to remind us of the first offerings the offerings of Cain and Abel and to remind us as we begin the book of Leviticus that two things you've got to be conscious of are one that you bring your best don't don't offer the, the garua the the shvach bring your best and two that you do it because you wanted to do it not because you saw your friend doing it not just because you saw your brother doing it not just because you saw someone else to, you have you weren't you only did it because you wanted to be like them, and that's a sin too, and that's a sin too, or at least that's a failure of offering. So I want to hear what what folks think about that. I see Hal just raised his hand.
1: Okay, yeah. So it's not just sacrifice, but it's self sacrifice uh, that it is. Uh, you know, abrogating your ego. I mean, taking it out, and you know whether that's uh, you know again. Uh, that everybody is doing this together is an extension of that that earlier that earlier verse so that that's what occurs to me
0: right right okay so that's right I mean this is about what is it what is this Hal says I mean it, it's a it has to be a sacrifice and so it has to it has to be something that comes from the self it has to be something that I needed to do, I wanted to give, I mean, look, Abel gave his own stuff, but did he? I mean, is, is this act, was this act really an act of his? It has to be that it's coming from you. The, in other words, Hal is saying, what the Kleokar is zoning into very quickly here is the internal experience of the, uh, the offerer of the person of the the Torah sometimes seems to speak in like just abstract formulations and laws, but no, this is about you. You have to think about your experience. And I I really appreciate um, um, Hal's formulation there because one of the things that I think is so um, special about the Kliakar is that he's one of the first voices in the tradition to really go inside consciousness to really think about what it's like to be a person thinking and feeling and i'm not saying the medievals didn't do that and i'm not saying the rabbis didn't do that, and I think the Torah did that, although matt silverstein often reminds us how little the Torah does that. But um but the clear car is I, I, again, I said this on the podcast this week, so a little bit of parallel, but the clear is is writing into the 1600s and Hasidic Torah begins in the 1700s. This is like pr- proto, prior, this is like a prelude to, he's a, a new kind of thinking. And I and, and I also said that, you know, then, then the century later, Freud is thinking about what it's like to, to be inside of our heads, to think thoughts, right? This is a moderne, modernity is, a, is creeping forward here. And the concept of the self that's been forged throughout the, the, the Renaissance period, right? In this region is, is emerging in these commentary what is it like to be me think my thoughts feel my feelings and to have anxieties motivations doubts right it's a psychological uh, commentary as much as anything else okay Um, let's see Regina
1: so so I think this has to do with the power and importance of intention and also um, how we conduct our lives what's our, our intention with every decision that we make
0: yeah yeah I I I, I that, that's right that's the word I would also use it's Kavana in the Hebrew intention the word that I would also uh, use is is motive what are you what's your motive or motivation what's your what is your motivation what is what is what is it that the, that is driving you this is a huge question in the Talmud, the one that, Re- that Regina is raising. This is um, mitzvot tzrichot kavana. Do, does religious life, and this is kind of a crazy thing, but it's a uniquely Jewish question. Do we have to have the right intention or is it about action? It's not an easy question to answer. It's so easy to say, oh yeah, you have to have the right intention, but maybe you don't. Like, you know, I really want that TV. Like, should I steal it? If I don't steal it, I still didn't steal it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's not uh, always about intention.
1: In a in 12 step program, they would say, suit up and show up, you know, like do the action and things will come later. So it depends on, you know. How
0: exactly you right. And, and in fact, right. And exact exactly right. And in fact, I think Jude, Jewish tradition often like veers or leans that way. It's like, let's not let's get, get, get too caught up in like what my inner life is like. This is a religion of good living, righteous living, the act. And in fact, it's the opposite psychological theory. It's behaviorist. It's, it's uh, I'm looking at Jen, uh, Jen Bailey. I'm going to call on Jen soon because Jen knows a lot more about th- these theories than I do, but that, that your behavior affects your, your consciousness, what you do affects. So don't worry about what you're thinking. And isn't that, you know, in some ways what God is saying to Cain, don't worry about it you know okay good so Jen what do you think
1: I go exactly the opposite direction than what you said <laughs> which is and behaviorism does this too especially cognitive behaviorism that actually we are responsible for our intentions mm. and we have the ability to alter and change them to be aware of them to do things about them that an intention is a behavior
0: yeah wow <laughs> yeah yeah I just want to think about that for a second. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, isn't that on some level what the car is beginning to warn us about? Don't check your motives and then reformulate your motives, right? Like, there's some, I have a will and my will raises my arm. I can also, like, whoa, what am I feeling right now? Mm, that's not. I don't want to I don't bring this that, that sacrifice from this place where can I find a place inside of me that I want to bring this sacrifice from? There's a lot in what Jen just said a lot 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 there. Um, I. Um, okay, <laughs> I I'm like running out of time here so let, let's let's go back into the clear car. And um, this is—you can see the sins now that he's named, and also the general area of concern that he is warning us about. And I think we got to some real—I mean, I'm going to be thinking a lot about about this stuff after class. So we got to—we've already gotten to a deep place. But remember that the Kli great, like, kind of reveal here was that Abel had sinned. We didn't really like the Cain had not given his best this is also a, a, a read in, but it's a read in—it's traditional read in. But what, is, what would it mean to say that, um, that Abel had sinned? Well, his sin was jealousy. His sin was, was trying to keep up. His sin was trying to be like someone else. His sin was not, not doing it from his own excitement, enthusiasm, motivation, not taking the time to, to form his own intention, but just borrowed someone else's. Okay, so let's see where the clear car goes with that because it turns out the clear that's his big is a big insight and, he's, and he really wants to tease that out. But in doing so, he does something so beautiful. I don't know if any of you have, maybe it was in the chat, but he does something so beautiful next. I, I didn't notice it until he said it. And then it was like, wow, wow. So what he says here is he says, um, that's why it says in the verse, any person, the word for person is Adam, Adam. Any person who brings forth from me, I'm going to go back up to it one time. Adam Adam. Any person from among you who brings forth an offering. That's why it said any person Adam in the singular to tell you that a person uh, who, who who this is another typo um, that uh, a person who. Uh, who, ah, because, well, where am I? To tell you that a person who, br- ah, oh my gosh, you can see I was typing this quickly this morning. That a person who brings forth an offering should be like the first person Adam Adamarishon. Adam Let me just stop there. This is un- an unbelievable suggestion that the reason the Torah chose the language of Adam instead of ish, man. And I, on, now on the one hand, it's also true that women could bring sacrifices, so it should be person, right? It should be person. It should be person more really in the Torah, shouldn't it? But that's just the point. The, 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 this is the part that really blows my mind. Sure, he's saying Adam, 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 Adam there's a hint here in this verse that you should look back at the Adam story and at Adam and Adam's descendants stories, the first people, that was the whole clue. How did he get to, didn't you wonder like, oh, I think this verse is about Cain and Abel. Why do you think this verse is about Cain? And Abel? You don't get to just say that, but he's got a good little connector here, but it's more than that. Because as I stop to think about it, I realize most of the laws in the book of Exodus are formulated in, with, with the case laws you know, when you got in this situation, it's always um it's a man, it's often ish key when a man does this, you know, presuming the main actor in the public space, the man does it, ish is the is the more frequent usage in the book of Exodus. So Leviticus starts with Adam, human, person, right? And that's a little different. And if there's a our ear should awaken and think, oh, Adam, right? Like Adam. Well, let's go back to the, oh, the Adam world was the first world where sacrifices was brought now that's quite a connection now the place he goes from here is i mean this is a creative thinker i I must say this part's a little bit of a stretch but you can get a feeling for what his concern is so i'm going to read the rest of it as well okay so um to tell you the person who brings forth an offering should be like the first person adam Arishon, who was all alone in the world at first I guess, I don't mean with, is he ignoring Eve or is saying just before even Eve was created? Um, because he was alone, he was saved from the sin of theft for it was just him alone, so everything was his. And that's why he was saved from stumbling in the way that Abel did. Since he was the only person in the world, surely the inspiration had to come from him and not because he saw others doing it. Now that's a strange formulation. Like he was all alone, he, could, he couldn't steal other people's ideas. Like, it's not like he, speaking a motive, it's not like he was pure hearted. He just, he didn't have that temptation. And we do. We all have that temptation to be like somebody else, to be admired, esteemed, to do what someone else does. But that, Adam, the first person was safe from that, but only because there was nobody else in the world. And by the way, as soon as Eve did show up, they are starting to talk about the things that they have in common and don't, you know, it's like, as soon as there are more than, one people, one person in the room, then we have this worry, and this for the Kliakar is a, is a crucial and central worry that we have to think about. Let me give you the last um, formulation of that worry because this language is really striking. When I say he's, he's proto-Hasidic, what you're going to hear here is language that sounds to me like a Hasidic author. Uh, so it's Has- the, the Hasidic spiritualist movement of the, of the 18th century. So take a look, take a look at this. And that is why it says any person Adam. He repeats it again because this is his great khidish, Because one should be like the first person Adam Arishon, who brings forth from you any person. It says any person who brings forth from you that the bringing forth must come from you, and not from anyone else. The awakening to make an offering must come from you, from you and within you. From you. And within you, el the awakening. It has. It's not just your animal. It's not just your motivation. It's the it's the spark inside of you that caused the feeling to begin. That has to be yours. It can't be anyone else's. And that is why it is an offering to the eternal. And now, now, folks, he says something quite strong. Quite strong indeed. And that is why it says, but now this is just the verse, okay? Let's read the verse and it might help here. Yeah, if I make this uh, italicized as well. Everything italicized is is the verse. Any person, Adam, who brings forth from you an offering to the eternal. Why does it say an offering to the eternal? For then it is certain that one's intention is only directed to God, as opposed to someone who does not get the inspiration from within. Because if it isn't from you, then it isn't an offering to God. <laughs> I mean, that I just—that is what what a. Right, like it's such a poetic way of putting it. For whatever is done out of jealousy, is only being done to glorify oneself before others. It's just vanity. It's just vanity. It's just vanity. It's just vanity. And then it's not an offering to God; it's an offering to all the other creatures. It's just vanity. It's just vanity. And by the way, do you know what Hevel's name means? It's vanity. It's often translated as vanity. It means either vanity or vapor, depending on how you how you translate it. But it's like breath, air. But vanity. The Book of Ecclesiastes often be, like begins in a translate Hevel Havalim, vanity of vanities. Everything is vanity, right? Like that was Abel's sin the need to look good in front of other people that's not what this is about that is not what this religion is about that's not what the sacrifices are not the, that's not what, what your connection to god is about that's not what this is about so that's he that's the warning the oh bring your best that was easy the danger really is Abel's sin i'm doing it to be like someone else and then I'll just close with this and this uh, actually, we have time for one comment, and I saw a new hand. Julia's got a hand up.
2: Hi. Um, so I something that I've been thinking about throughout all of this is um, Ron Berger and, and his ethic of excellence and this idea that in striving for excellence, you're not it's not like one draft and you're done. Uh, and you've like you've reached excellence, you're good, you're done with the work, you don't have to try anymore, but rather that, one, it's many different iterations toward working towards that excellence. And also that if, let's say you're in a classroom or in a community, people are helping you to get there. They're giving you feedback. So in the case of like a Cain and Abel, it would be that these brothers are working together towards helping each other bring the best offering to God. Um, and it based on this, this verse that we're looking at in Leviticus, it seems like um, like we should all be working towards helping each other to getting towards that excellence of of serving God, of making these sacrifices to God, of um, not just serving our own need to give an excellent offering, but for the entire community, the entire community to be achieving excellence together.
0: Folks, Folks, sometimes I, I think God just smiles on our learning. I mean, it's just like so, so beautiful and such. I just feel like, thank you, God. That is the perfect, perfect articulation and setup for the last thing I wanted to show you, which is that the Clea Car, like Julia here, um, is, is thinking about Cain and Abel's sins and also what they did right. And if you combine them together, then they would have been. Two brothers giving the best of what they have, right? Together, right? The Kliakar, and that maybe that's what the, the world that we would we would prefer to see reflecting in the the goes on and on explaining the verse after after what we just saw. He goes on and on for a while. And he explains every why does it say sheep? Why does it, why is it, why this part of the verse? On and on for a while. And then he ends by saying, Oh, and the plural language. What about the question he started with? The plural language, remember? Take it from you all that was we start but it just seemed like that wasn't really right he didn't even like Rashi's answer and in the end what he says he closes his commentary and the plural language can be explained, according to Rashi's interpretation, that is to say, two can bring one animal. Now what I thought you didn't like Rashi's answer like what No, but he didn't say that he said Rashi's answer wasn't enough. He hasn't explained everything, but if you go back and do all the work that we did, then you'll see this is such a brilliant move. Oh yeah, Rashi was right all along. I didn't reject Rashi. I just wanted to give you the full, full picture because the, what Rashi is really telling us, says the Car, is that the Cain and the Cain and Abel, so exactly what Julia was just telling us, exactly what Luana was suggesting to us at the outset, which is that the ideal is that they should have come together and brought a, a sacrifice together That was the problem to begin. Why one going off and giving one sacrifice and then the other's scurrying to keep up? It's like the Torah is here to tell us you can do this together. You can be bonded in this experience. You can do it as a community. It's not a competition. It's a community. That's good Torah. That's good Torah. All right. Goodbye. (laughs) We're going to end on that note. Thanks, everybody.